0: Episode seventy-seven, and we've got a lot of a uh, lot of stories to talk about today. Elliot Friedman going to join us midway through this episode to talk about everything going on around the league, and we'll recap uh, GM meetings last week in Florida. Uh, obviously, the Rick Generette retirement. Uh, we'll talk about that. Sabers playing in front of a sellout crowd, a lot of them for the first time ever. We'll talk about the impact that can have, and uh, Keith Yandel, the Iron Man. Iron Man no longer. We'll talk more about that. And was it worth sitting him out here on uh, After the Whistle? Good morning, River. Can't wait to hear your thoughts on uh, the Jay Beagle snap show. On, uh we took on Troy Terry after an unbelievable, another Trevor egress flash and dash move. And uh,
1: we saw this here in Buffalo earlier in the year. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. There's lots to talk about. There's lots to talk about. Lots Can of Can I just story say lines. good
0: morning? Uh, sorry, h- happy birthday to my mom and happy birthday, mom. Sorry, had to make sure happy I got happy
1: birthday, Mrs. Peters. Yeah. 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 Nice. She's not should-
0: texting you like she's like your mom's texting me, but we'll, we'll right. let's well, that tell that story for another day.
1: For. <laughs> um, but yeah, listen, I uh what what a weekend, you know. We did our last pod on Thursday and and wanted to let, uh, you know, the RJ, you know, ceremony and game marinate a little bit and have the fans enjoy this. So we can kind of talk about it freshly here on Monday, but, you know, in, in on top of, uh, the, you know, the RJ, incredible, incredible ceremony night, what a great job by the Sabres and how they, they, uh, perform that. Um, and the team on the ice was, was just fantastic, but, there's a lot of storylines right now. A lot of storylines r- around the NHL. You know, obviously one of the top uh Jay Beagle, you know, a pretty tough customer for the uh, you know, Phoenix uh or Arizona Coyotes uh fighting a 32 goal scorer in Troy Terry who I don't think has ever fought a day in his life mm-hmm. was given a complete beating by uh, a pretty tough customer in Jay Beagle and the the question is, you know, should that have happened and will there be uh, some repercussions from the hockey team in general in the next game that they play together? I, I, I can imagine that, that, that will be addressed. Um, you know, Keith Yandel, Keith Yandel. Sick to my stomach right now, Petey. Everybody's going to have their own opinion on this. There's no, uh, there's no other way to look at this for me. Than to just completely crucify, you know, Mike Yo and and, and uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. I'm I'm sick to my stomach over this young man. And uh, you know, Keith Yandel has played eight nine hundred, sorry nine hundred in eighty nine games consecutive in the National Hockey League. It is with without a deny, it's going to be his last year in the National Hockey League. He has. Uh, he he was an incredible point-producing defenseman for many many years, but as we all go through, your skills and your body starts to um, diminish, and uh, you know, for me, Keith Yendo has a has what fourteen games, fifteen games left in his NHL career. He has eleven games to hit one thousand games consecutively. And this organization, this shitball organization, with that's 28th in the National Hockey League, 28th, sit this man out because they want to get a couple rookie defensemen in? I can understand the thinking there, but there's something so much bigger with this this young man that's put a tremendous amount of years and time um, into this game. And you would think that an organization with only 13, 14 games left in the season would allow this man to try and hit 1,000 games. Uh, Something... Consecutive. Consecutive. Something that has never happened in the history of the game of hockey shame on you Philadelphia Flyers that's a Babcock move do you remember the story
0: JR told us about when uh, Mike Madano was about to play his 1500th game for yep. so Mike Madano retired if I'm not mistaken we'll look it up but I think he has 1499 games and I feel like there was nine games left for him for the, in the season. And I think he would have ended the season, maybe exactly at like 1500 and Babcock scratched him for one of those games Yep. and basically said, uh, the goal isn't Mike Medano's 1500th game. The goal is a Stanley cup. Mm. And I'm, and I'm pretty sure that pissed off a lot of the players on his team. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 1499 Medano finished with. And what year was that Petey? Uh, 2010, 2011. So I feel like I feel like he was at like 1491, and there was nine games left in the regular season. Mm-hmm. And then Babcock scratched him one of those earlier games. It wasn't the very last game of the year. It was one of those inst- within like maybe it was like at game like uh, 73 or 74 in the season where he scratched him. You know, w- yeah. and then so he finished at 1499. I don't know how I feel about this. I mean, like should a team really care about the guy's Ironman streak? I mean, he already passed the streak. I feel like Phil Kessel will end up passing him eventually here.
1: Right. Cause isn't Phil the thrill. Isn't he like right behind yeah, him or something? 968. I think it is, um, you know, 20, 21 games behind. Uh, I would imagine Phil Kessel will probably continue um, his streak himself. Um, and on top of that, Phil Kessel has game left in him. He's got number of years left in him to continue to, uh, um, to c- continue to, 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 do wonders. Like I can't even imagine, like I played 923 games in this league. I probably missed. I would say close to a hundred or maybe a little bit more than 150 games due to injury. I I can't, and, and in, the nine, in the 923 games that I played, I bet you there was at least, at least 400 of those games that I played with an injury. Minimum 400 games. You do not play the game of hockey in the NHL. You do not go through a season with how demanding this game is. Night in, night out, the travel, everything it's 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 damn near impossible to play this game without an injury um so i i i look at you know keith yandel i look at um a a player like phil kessel yes they are not overly physical players but it's it's not just about the banging and crashing and, and and fighting where you get injured it's about your your body as you play this game eventually is going to get worn down whether it's your hip flexors your groins your hamstrings your knees tendons shoulders wrists arthritis is going to be in your elbows you like i mean it is a mess to play this game at a high level for that long and uh i i just i i feel uh, i feel sick to my stomach i know that keith yendel probably understands that no he uh, doesn't Yes, I think he does. I think, he, on, he, no, you think listen, he's sitting no, there going like, yeah, it's no, okay. I understand it. No, but listen to me. I think that what I was going to say was Keith Yandel understands that his game is nowhere near what it needs to be to be in the National Hockey League. He understands that his best years were probably five, six years, you know, away from him. Um, that being said, you know, when when you're looking at a player like this, that has done something that is just so special in this game. I don't care who or what is going on. And especially a team like Philadelphia that's completely a disgrace right now. They suck. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're in transition. Like, I just don't understand how they cannot look at this situation and say, This it's not bigger than the team by any stretch of the imagination, but you have to honor an old soldier that has put a tremendous amount of time and effort in to 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 prepare and stay in this league and have success. And he's got, he's essentially got 13 games left of a very long career. I'm kind of torn on this.
0: Look, I'm going to be flat out honest with you and I'm not going to sit here and make it sound like I'm not impressed by his feet, but I mean, he's had in his stretch of games He's had lockouts. He's had COVID stoppages. He's never really played in the playoffs. I mean, like, it's 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 impressive, the consecutive games. But, I mean, it's not like he's been a difference maker all those years. Sorry to say it. I mean, I I, heard, I know Keith Yano's a great guy from what I know. I've heard guys. I know guys that play with him, whatever. I, I get it. But at the same time, who gives a shit? Like, I mean, it's not Philadelphia's record to worry about. He already passed uh, – um, it was the the guy who played for Montreal and Hartford, Jarvis, Doug Jarvis, yeah, Doug. Uh, yep. for his for his Iron Man streak. So, who cares about the thousandth game? I mean, it's it's a feat for sure to say you have played a thousand consecutive games in the NHL. It's a feat to play a thousand
1: games in the NHL. But I mean, I don't know, like play a thousand consecutive games in the NHL. I can't as a, as a former player that played a very long time. I can't understand how his body has not broken down well he's not the most physical guy you know number one so it's not like he's like
0: some gladiator on the ice he he's only out of all his years in the league he's only played 58 playoff games so it's not like he's killing his body in the playoffs either he's had a couple good playoff runs had one with the rangers in 14 15 um yeah, well, I had don't, one. don't shit on him. I'm not on shitting his, on him, but I well, mean, I, I, did shit I look on at it. a Doug. I look at a Doug 58? Jarvis. I look at a Doug Jarvis, 58 playoff games. Incredible. I played zero, but all I'm saying is I look at a Doug Jarvis who started his career winning four Stanley cups. So he played four, four complete seasons plus, plus a uh, four straight playoff runs was in the playoffs for so many years of his career. You know what I mean? So it's like, he's added that. So to me, his Iron Man streak is during a time where everybody had to be accountable for their game. You know what I mean? Where like you got a guy like Yandel. Yeah, he's, he's been a good player. He's a really good player. Great numbers. But I mean, he's, he's not some gladiator player who goes out and throws his body on the line on a nightly basis. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, yes, it's great. I was impressed by the streak that he passed Doug Jarvis. I could give two shits if Philadelphia, scratched him or not. I don't think he's played very well there. I can tell you that right now. From what I understand, I think he's been horseshit there. So, you know, I mean, why do you owe a guy? Why do you already owe a guy? Do we know that he's retiring at the end of the year for sure, by the way? Or is that just an assumption?
1: Listen, I I would assume he's on a one-year deal. He's uh, 35 years old, going to be turning 36 in September. Do you think think this one year was solely about the the streak? Yes, I think he would have retired. Listen, this guy's made $6.3 million for like ever. He's got more money than he knows what to do with. He's had a fantastic career. Like, listen, look at his point totals. 30, 41, 59, 43. He had 30 points in 48 games. Then he had 53 points. Then he had 41 points in 63 games. Then he had 47, 41, 56, 62, 45, 20. Like this guy has put up an insane amount of points as, as a, as a defenseman, he's put up 615 points. He's a point producer. He's, he's uh He's he's had a very strong career being a very good power play specialist. And um, you know, listen, has he had a great year this year? No, he's minus 39. Like he's gotta be winning the green jacket. There's no question about it. Um, and 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 I can understand, I understand what the Flyers are going through. They are needing to bring in young players, young defensemen that um have an opportunity to play and for for me it's just like i i feel like i truly feel i understand i understand what the coaches are thinking i understand what they're thinking but it's like looking looking at this from the outside where i have no emotion to it i just feel like i would be i i would be doing the rudy thing I swear to God, I would be doing the Rudy thing. I would or be going laying to lay your jersey, jersey down on the, yeah. on the, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this guy's got, this guy's literally got a month left of his hockey career. Because he'll probably never play again. No one's going to pick him up. He was minus 39 this year. But I would be looking at him going, I'm laying down my jersey. This guy can play for me because I want him to do the most special, one of the most special things in a long time. And that's do something that no one has ever done in the National Hockey League. And that's play a thousand games consecutive. That is mind boggling to me.
0: Okay. I look at it and I just think it is mind boggling, but he's had a nice, he's had some nice breaks in between. You have the COVID break. You got some lockouts in that there. It could be
1: worse. couple of work worse stoppages. Oh uh,
0: yeah. I, I know it could be worse. I want to go back to the uh, Jay Beagle thing for a second and Troy Terry, um, because I don't just want to skip by it that quickly. Um, Tyson Nash taking a lot of abuse for his comments I can't remember what our stance was on the Zegers goal. When he put that, when he made that play here in Buffalo, I can't remember who he passed it to, but he passed it from behind the net and someone batted at home. Um, I, and I feel like, like one of us had a very similar type of thought about, you know, back in the day you would have gotten killed for doing that. I mean, is that, isn't that, isn't what Beagle did exactly what we expected to have happen here in Buffalo? I'm asking, I'm not saying I like it or don't like it. I I just, I want to know. The
1: issue that we had, or I had, was the giggling and laughing like little school kids after Zegris flipped his, the puck up. It was Sonny Milano, I think. Who scored? Yes. No. I don't well, maybe it was. I, I don't even know who scored to be honest with the guy tapped it in from from the side of the net. It, it was the after. It was the after. You know, the the um, you know, I love how they they were on on the ice together, kind of like, holy crap, did that just happen? But then it's like, okay, you gotta leave it. And when you go to the bench and you know that cameras are on you and they're and they're giggling like little two, like for me, if I'm on the other team, I'm like, I'm not taking very kindly to this stuff. Do I respect the skill set? Do I do, do I respect watching like this kid is doing special things. Trevor Ziegler is a special hockey player. He thinks the game at at a very different level than than most of the players that are even on the ice today. Um his his Michigan that he scored in that game was 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 incredible. Do I agree with jay beagle and what he did i don't because i don't think there is a need to go and beat up an elite player elite young player in the game and i don't agree for an example with with uh you know tyson nash i don't agree with him you know if you want to skill it up you're gonna get your your head taken in no that's 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 not it it's it's we want this in the game. We just need to have the respect factor that goes along with being so dynamic. And, and I'm not, I'm not sure that it was the right thing for Jay Beagle to do with, with Troy Terry, knowing the type of player he is. Like, I'm not going to go and beat up Danny Briere back in the day. I'm not going to grab him and beat him up. You know, it, it it's, It, it's. I, I think it's right now. It's. Uh, I'm. i We want this in the game. We want this skill in the game. These young, these young men, um, that are coming in and making this game more exciting and better. We need them to feel comfortable and feel confident. But they have to understand that there's a respect factor that goes with um, all of this. And uh, when you're laughing in someone's face, which is can be taken that way. You know, there's going to be consequences to it. Yeah, Troy
0: Terry got, got beat up pretty badly by Jay Beagle. I,
1: look, I, I mean,
0: clearly would he have Jay Beagle's frustrated.
1: Uh, would, would he have gotten beaten up if Nick Delorier was not traded away from the Anaheim Ducks? No, you the answer is no. You think Jay Beagle right now is going to go and pound Troy Terry if if you have Nick Delorier sitting on the bench? Because you know what Nick Delorier is going to do. If Jay Beagle gets kicked out of the game or, or whatever, what's the next thing that Nick Dory is going to do? He's
0: going to go out and grab somebody on their team and thump them. It might, it would be a Clayton Keller, but he left the game going leg first into the boards last week, which is absolutely brutal. Yeah. I, I don't know where I, I look, man. Like I, I sit back and I think, and I watch what happened and I, I'm, I'm certainly not going to justify it because I thought all these pretty plays are what we're, what we want in the game of hockey. Is it not? So is, is Tyson Nash yes. the dinosaur or yep. is Jay Beagle the dinosaur? I mean,
1: you know, Tyson Nash, you know, I respected the way he played the game. He played it hard-nosed. He gave you a hundred percent of what he had each and every game. Was he the most skilled hockey player? No, he wasn't, but he was uh, a piece to the puzzle and he knew what he had to do each and every game and he gave it. Um, But, you know, I think Tyson Nash, you know, if he had to rethink things would probably maybe have a little bit of a different opinion because he loves watching Clayton Keller. He watches them every single game in Arizona. He gets to watch uh, the Nick Smith and all of these young dynamic players that they have in this league and and on, on Anaheim or um, Anaheim and, and, and Arizona. I think that he just got caught up in, in, in the, you know, the fisticuffs and the, and the rough and tumble stuff at the, at the end of a game. And uh, should it have happened? Well,
0: for clarity, you know? it, it didn't happen after a goal. Like Beagle targeted Zegers in the crease. He cross-checked him in the ribs, yeah. right? Later in the game when it's five, nothing. So clearly Beagle was a little pissed off, right? Yeah. And and then obviously, you know, someone comes to his defense and then things escalate. And, you know, next thing you know, Beagle's throwing uppercuts on someone. You don't even know who it is at the time until after. And, you, you know, and Terry got beat up pretty bad. But I mean, I don't know.
1: I mean, you think that's okay? My my question is what's going to happen on the next game? They don't play again this year. Ugh. So, because Jay Beagle is 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 he does he have a contract? Uh, that I don't know. this year, I'd have to go check that out. I'll go check out. Because I'll tell you out. this, I I you know, Jay Beagle is going to be in a situation that he's going to be in one in the next time they play together. If he's if he's still in the league. I know Jay Beagle's played a long time. He's had a he's had a strong career, a long, long time in, in with the Washington Capitals. Um, but I would imagine that there's a lot of very, very, very unhappy people in Anaheim.
0: I would have to imagine there's a lot of very unhappy people in Anaheim, and I think that Anaheim now, even more so after that moment, they're definitely gonna bring back Nick Delorier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I actually just watched him score another goal uh, for Minnesota and the highlight reel here is an empty netter, but um, he's turned himself into quite a nice player, a well-rounded player, Nick Delorier. Um Buffalo, Rick Jenner at Friday night. And, uh, you know, a lot of, a uh, lot of comments about the crowd, um, the standing ovation for Rick Jenner at the start was absolutely incredible. I thought the Sabres did an awesome job on the ceremony itself you know, it was short, sweet. It wasn't an hour and a half. It was 20 minutes long, a uh, nice tribute video, nice overlapping sound of all of his calls. I thought it was absolutely spectacular. Some good alumni in attendance and, uh, and his speech was short and sweet. But, but I think the, the story of that night, believe it or not is the crowd, right? Because how many years has it been since we've seen a sold out crowd at this arena, probably Jack Eichel's first game
1: as a Buffalo saber against the Ottawa senators way back when, It's been a long time. It's been a very long time that, that uh, you know, this, and I feel bad. I I do feel bad. Like I think Kyla Poso uh, spoke about this um, after the game, you know, what he loved about this, this game in particular was players like Dylan cousins, who's in his second year in the national hockey league last year in his first year, they didn't have any fans. COVID related, you know, no fans in the stands. So you have a Dylan Cousins who's playing in his first NHL season, is playing in front of nobody. Okay. Then all of a sudden, in the second year of his contract, he's looking around and they have the lowest attendance in the league. And here's the thing everybody knows, everybody that listens to this podcast knows that Buffalo is one of the greatest places fan base wise in the national hockey league, they love their hockey. They love their sports here, here in Buffalo. There's a huge following for the Buffalo Sabres, but you have Dylan cousins who is watching 7,000, 8,000 people show up to the game. And it sounds like crickets. And this is what Dylan cousins has, has basically, he doesn't know any better. So now all of a sudden, when you have, you know, a young, Daleen, a young Yoki Haru, a, a young Matias Samuelson, Bryson, and, and you just keep going on with, you know, um, cousins and Krebs and Middlestad and it just, you keep going on and on for them to see what Buffalo is about. How electric this fan base can be and how passionate they can be. These young players got a treat of a lifetime. And you know what it's done? Know what the fans have done? I'm telling you this with 100% certainty. It's ignited this young group of players that I'm going to tell you, I love watching this team. I love watching this team. Start of the year, year before, I'm, I'm blasting them, I'm this, I'm that. This year, I see the growth Not only in individual players, but I see the growth in a team, in the environment, starting with the the GM trickling down to the coaching staff, which is just fantastic, and then trickling right into the players. And what's happened is these players got a treat. They got to see what the Buffalo Sabres fan base is like when, when you're winning. And it was unbelievable. Yeah, and they, they didn't disappoint with the effort either. But
0: I, I just, I go back and I think about all the RJ calls. I mean, Riv, I, I, I was a little bit closer to Buffalo than you were when I was a kid. RJ RJ was, if I'm not mistaken, I feel like RJ was only on the radio for a long time um, before he, he switched over to TV. But all I can tell you is that I remember them sinking all of his calls to the highlight reels, like the Mayday call. I feel like for some reason that might've been radio only, but you hear that call, you hear, I was on the team when the scary good call happened. I remember him. I've heard my first goal call. I was lucky enough to score it. Well, I mean, he traveled with the team, but I mean, I scored at home on new year's Eve. And you know, I, I, the first thing I can honestly tell you, the first thing I remember wanting to do when Joe Pinter uh, the producer and the director of the, 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 the game night broadcast came down to me after the game. I remember he walked right into the the locker room and handed me the tape, the, the recording um, of my first goal from so many different angles, all the different camera angles in the arena that night, there had to have been six or seven different angles of my goal that I saw. And I went home and I got to hear, the actual broadcast call uh, from RJ and then I saw like other arena videos where you could just hear the crowd um, and there was no call on it and you know it was a very cool thing for for Joe to do but for me it was hearing RJ call my first NHL goal and I mean I'm not going to go and try and and relive it because it's impossible to you know that's the old saying often imitated, never duplicated when you're trying to impersonate someone like Rick Jenneret But, but I think about it, man, I know everything he said, I, I can hear it in my head right now. And he is, he is one of the greatest. I mean, some of my fights that, that he's called, I mean, Oh my God, like there's, there's the Kip Brennan ones, you know, Peter's hammering away with the rights. I mean, it's,
1: it's just, I don't know. I don't he's know if there's a, like a, he's what I got out of it. He's a storyteller. He's not announcing. He's not. I mean, the way that that his brain works, he's telling stories as he as he you know basically navigates and narrates the game. I mean, it is live. It is incredible. It's like you want to listen to what he has to say, whether it's calling the play by play or if he's bickering back and forth with rob ray or or his other fellow you know counterparts on on air it's 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 just truly a, it's we've been given a gift we've really been given a gift
0: i don't know all the people that he's worked with alongside but i know he had harry neal for a bit harry is iconic bob Cole he, harry neal
2: but
1: harry neal is is one of my favorites to listen to
0: yeah and then obviously razors now but then before harry neal was Jimmy Lorenz and Jimmy Lorenz in my opinion is one of the best color guys in hockey. All right. You obviously had uh, Harry Neal who was up in Toronto with Bob Cole. They were like Batman and Robin for years, those two. Right. But, um, Jimmy Lorenz was absolutely incredible. What a great, just a perfect sidekick for, uh, for RJ. And one thing I'll do here at the end of our episode after, uh, Elliot is, I will uh I'll read some of the tweets that we received from fans because I sent out a tweet from the show account just saying if you have any stories or memories of RJ please share them and and we received I don't know 80 or 90 responses so I mean we can get to those but but what a night I mean it's going to be sad for his last call I mean he's been a voice in so many people's lives that I mean, even Terry Pagula, he commented about how he would, and I remember Terry Pagula talking about when he first bought the team, how he would go and park his car somewhere and listen to the Sabres games, you know, and he was a, he was a massive Sabres fan and he loved Rick Generette and listening to the games and obviously the French connection and whatnot, but, um, it's going to be sad to see RJ go. I mean, it, it's something that I think a lot of people have been expecting and preparing for the last few years. As Dan Dunlevy's kind of taken over the reins a little bit more and more each year, and RJ's health hasn't really allowed him to to keep going. But I'm going to tell you, it'll be a sad night when he calls his last game. I mean, that was uh, that was just the start of it. The other night, you think you think that was sad and that was exciting or whatever. Um, I can tell you that I think his last call is going to be. It's going to be emotional. I can't imagine being in his position. This has been his life. This has been his life. He, there is nothing. I think he's loved doing more two things, maybe three, being a husband, a father and being the voice of the Buffalo Sabres. I mean, I don't know what order He might even some, some people might even put, you know, the third one on the top and and the first one on the bottom, not necessarily for him, but just in general. But I mean, who knows, but All I know is that he has absolutely loved it and you could sense the emotion. And I don't know, it's, uh, it's been an honor to not only listen to him growing up and hear his calls growing up, but then playing for the Sabres, hoping for that opportunity for him to have an awesome call of yours. And then he does. And then now you watch him kind of not phase out, but just his career wind down and what an amazing career it's been. So um, let's bring in Elliot Friedman here. And, uh, hear what he has to say. Cause I know that we obviously know that he's, he's, uh, followed along and is probably a pretty big Rick jenneret fan. What's going on RJ or RJ uh, Elliot? How are you? We're talking RJ. Uh,
2: I'm good guys. How are you doing? And that was an incredible event on Friday night.
0: Yeah. Wasn't that nice?
2: That's one of the things I said. It
0: was short, sweet, and very tastefully done. And what a turnout of, of the crowd for it.
2: You know, one of the things we kind of talked about on our podcast, which is dropping today, guys, is what a what a great couple of months it's been for the Sabres. Uh, you know, for a, a team that's had a really rough decade, they've had a few good news items in the last, the, the victory over Vegas, the, the victory in the outdoor game, Anderson getting the 300 wins, you know, the emergence of players like, tage thompson the leadership of alex tuck and and then that rick Jenneret night which not only before the game and and the loud crowd and the full house but the picture after the game like everything that's going on right now it's 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 hitting it out of the park it's very welcome
1: it's 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 kind of like emotional you know like when you Mm -hmm. think about uh rick Jenneret and 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 truly what he means to to the Buffalo Sabres entire fan base. Yeah. I mean, listening to his voice is iconic because it's so special and unique and, and the way that he interacts with, you know, his, his counterparts on the air. It's, it's, it's like true entertainment on top of the hockey that you get to watch. Um, and, uh, you know, to see his, uh, to see his, his name raised, to the rafters. Okay. Mm -hmm. He, he just truly, truly deserves it. Oh yeah. It's, it's, um, I, I don't even know what to say. Like he's done so much for this city, so much for the city and he's given so much pleasure to this city that, uh, you know, I think we just, you know, he, he basically said in his speech, I love you. You know, with all the support that he got over, over the 50 years he's been doing this. But I'm going to tell you, that reciprocates right back to him. You know, because the people and the fans of, of uh, the Sabres love this man. Love this man. Mm-hmm.
0: It sucks. So. You know what sucks is that, you, know, you, you th- look back and you think about, obviously, he's celebrated so much. And everyone loves, you know, his calls. And he's iconic. I just can't believe he hasn't had a chance to call a Stanley Cup winner you know, that's, that's gotta be one of the heaviest things that weighs on him is the simple fact that you just, yeah you have this icon and, you know, no championship to show for it. You know what I mean? And it's, it's obviously not anything that he's in control of, but man, you just sit back and you think about being one of the greatest at what he did. Mm-hmm. It would have been nice to have seen him win one in 50 years, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, the, he got to call two, I guess, the you know, the one against uh, Philly and the one against uh, Dallas, but you're right. Um, You're right. You know, it's, there's, there's a big difference between calling it and winning it. I understand. I understand, but don't Andrew, don't, don't dwell on the negatives. This was a, this was a good thing. Don't be negative.
0: (laughs) You come in hot with the, with the positivity. And here I am, here I am just sucking the life right out of it. Well, you, you said that it, you, you know, things are exciting for the Sabres right now. Elliot and I I can't disagree with you I mean I just think it's great that some of these players all these players especially the ones that are going to be here in the years to come had a had a chance this year to feel a few times feel good what that building can really feel like you know what I mean And, and what what the crowd can sound like not when even when things are going great but just on certain moments when you're playing well you know
2: absolutely and uh you know that was a big game that was a big game for Nashville that's the thing too. Is it's not just a big game for you. It's 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 not like you're you're staying say in 25th and you're playing a team that's 28th and they don't have a chance to make the playoffs. Nashville needed that game, and, and you guys beat them in regulation. You sent you sent the crowd home happy. Not only and then that that it, at the end of the game when you call Jenna onto the ice and you take the picture and the building's rocking, you know you, you, there's there's people who may not have come back to a Sabres game uh, who are going to be coming back to Sabres games because of what happened that night and the way it went and the way it ended. And that's, that's your biggest sales pitch. Hey, I had a great time at the building tonight. Team won a big game. Atmosphere was great. I'd love to see that again. No better advertising.
1: Well, I had said a couple, you know, last week, Elliot, you know, a couple times on the podcast that, you know, I can understand uh, the frustration of, of the fan base and what they've had to deal with for the last number of years. But at the same time, I'm one right now that's looking at this situation and saying, I think it's time that the fan base starts to come back and support this team. Mm -hmm. They've had the lowest attendance in the league. I think This fan base is showing, you know, the, uh, the ownership and and this team that they're, they're frustrated and unhappy, but I honestly believe with what we've been able to watch the last couple months and the growth of this team as a team and individual Mm -hmm. hockey players and the excitement of this team, I think Mm -hmm. it's now starting to let's, let's start to support this team. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. How about the booze, eh? There were some booze for ownership when they announced Terry and Kim Pagula at the uh, at the ceremony. I was surprised by that.
2: I, I I think that when you're an owner of a team, you have to, or a commissioner, you have to expect that from time to time. And and you know, t- to be honest, I mean, it's it's been a lot of losing. It's amazing, like. Uh, like you, you, if you introduce them at a Bills game and you introduce them at a Sabers game, you probably get completely different reactions. And, the, right? and
0: those same Bills fans that are at the stadium were at the Sabers game booing them, right? But yeah. at the, when they're at the Bills, ah, oh, yeah. I guess I guess they winning, I guess when you own two sports team, I guess there, you can be Jekyll and Hyde, eh?
2: Yeah, well, winning winning determines everything, man. Like that's how. That's how people feel about you. Do you win games? Yeah. Do you lose games? Nope. Well, that's, that's your difference.
0: Well, before we talk about all the big things on the uh, on the docket around the NHL and the, and the GM meetings, I, I need to get your take on the Jade Beagle, Troy Terry, Trevor Zegris, Tyson Nash, uh, I guess I don't want to call it a fiasco, but just, you know, sideshow that took place between Anaheim and, and Arizona the other night.
2: Well, you know, here here's the thing that you – Uh, probably can answer as, as much as anyone else. Okay. Um, Did, did you think Jay Beagle, who does not have much of a history of being a bad guy? I think he's a really honest player, but I thought what he did was wrong. I thought he should have let up. What do you think? You did that job, Andrew. Uh,
0: I love when you flip the script, by the way. And I've noticed a, a trend with this. You do it all the time. We'll ask you a question and then you'll throw it back in our well, court. And this is me stalling, by the way.
2: <laughs> well, uh, you know why, Andrew? Because you and, you and Craig played at that level. You understand. Like Jeff Merrick, we taped our podcast. going to drop today. Jeff Merrick made a point. Like everybody talks about the code. He says that was not the code. Like if you're fighting a guy and they're not in your weight class or they're overmatched. There's a point where you say, okay, enough. And I thought that fight reached that point.
0: It it did reach that point. And I I mean, I don't even know why he has to cross check Zegers. You know, I'll I'll even take it that far. Why did he do that? Five, nothing. Okay. I understand that you're pissed off, but I mean, do it within the play. Zegers didn't do anything to your goalie. He stopped in the crease. He was standing there. He might've embarrassed your team
2: earlier. but But you know what? I don't think the Michigan had anything to do with it. I okay. really don't.
0: Okay. Do we know I mean, if there's anything else that had anything to do with it?
2: Well, Tyson Nash did an interview last night uh where he said that the the ducks were like mocking them. They were they were laughing and joking around and and, and embarrassing them and I <laughs> So don't know, what? Like, like What do you mean I, so I, what? I, look, 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 like, like, what do on. you mean so what? I, I think the poke at the goalie was what set Beagle off.
0: Okay. All right. Well, the poke at the goalie. I mean, anyway,
2: as far as I'm concerned, my opinion is: if you're going to ask me, is that it's not a good look for the sport that that Terry couldn't play last night. Now, I understand he went in first, and but like, and I'm not anti-fighting. I am not. I like a tough, mean game in addition to a skilled game. But I also think you reach a point in the fight. Where one guy is more prepared to fight another guy, or one guy's not a fighter, or one guy's defenseless, and you have to say, "That's enough of that."
0: Yes, I think there was a point where Beagle should have stopped. Uh, I think that <laughs> it's a lot
1: easier said than done. That's once I understand. Once that. you're in I the code red, uh, you know section, mm-hmm. you're not pulling away because you've already you're already lost it. You know. I'm not saying I, I I don't agree with what he did. I don't agree with grabbing Troy Terry and beating him to a pulp. You know, Troy Terry has he ever even fought? You know, ever? i have to check. You know. You know. Uh, here's the thing. I've been in a, I've
0: been in a few fights, and I've been on the side of fights where I've been had the upper hand, and I've let up a couple times for sure. Yes, I would you know that's true. There's one in particular. I mean, I hammered Brian McGratton in the cheekbone, and I, I, it felt like when I hit him, it felt good. Like not felt good. Like I was happy. It just felt like it was a square punch and I got him. And, Mm -hmm. and he kind of, he, he held on, he threw another punch, but then he kind of defended himself and went down and was covering his face. And I just pointed to the ref. I was like, and I pointed down at him and I go, he's done, you know, get in here. And I, I I don't know if that's because I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what made me do it. I have, I still, to this day, I, I, I wonder like how did I have the control at that moment to know that I should stop? Because this is a guy that wanted to break my face literally 30 seconds ago when we were squaring off. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's a very hard scenario to be in, but I think, I think when you're in a fight, you have to, you have to have, you have to find that control. And I, I just, yeah i mean have i hit a guy when he's down fucking right i have i can i can tell you guys that i've hit when i'm down but you know what they weren't honorable guys they weren't honorable guys so when they were down i let them have it i had uh i had i fought andrew alberts Do you remember him from boston he ran nevada he was just a big guy wasn't a fighter i had him in a vulnerable position on he was on his knees and his face was he was facing me and i had my arm cocked for an uppercut and I could have literally blown his face up, and I didn't throw the punch. the The refs were they weren't in there, and I just stood there, and I was like, "Oh, I want to." And then the refs came in, and I just let him go. And I, so I, I guess, yeah, maybe there is some of it on Beagle. I mean, I, I, I'm so torn. I'm so torn about this hockey world these days, Elliot. Because you have you have guys that say, "Oh, that's embarrassing for the game," you know, doing the lacrosse goal and all this stuff and laughing. No, and I, you know
2: what? I don't think, like, honestly. I don't think a lot of people say that, Andrew. I don't. I don't. I think like I don't think a lot of people really care about the lacrosse goal. As a matter of fact, Merrick, my podcast partner, is like it's boring now. I'm seeing it too much. But you know, like Trevor Ziegris didn't make the All Star game this year, and the NHL found a way to put him in at the weekend, and I didn't see anybody complaining about it. I think that people who whine about the uh, Michigan goal are in the vast, vast, vast minority. And we just notice it more because everybody's on Twitter. Right. I, I don't think there's a lot of people bitching about the, about the lacrosse. I think most people look at the skill of these young players and they're like, Holy crap. Like these guys are really skilled. I don't think there's a lot of complaining about the mission goal. I well, really it goes. Don't.
1: This is what it goes back to Elliot. And you brought it up a couple minutes ago where you're, we're asking the question, what happened is, is it, Did this incident happen because of the Michigan goal? No. And you said no, but you did say it happened because of
2: why? I think Tyson Nash gave an interview last night where he felt that the Ducks were hot dogging and look, Arizona was losing five, nothing. They're getting embarrassed. Um, They, I do think the poke at the goalie had something to do with it. The poke at the goalie in a five, nothing game. Yep. And you know, like, like Beagle, he snapped. Like, I just looked it up. That's, that's Terry's first career fight. I think Beagle at the NHL level has three. And I think that's his first in nine years. Right? Yeah. And so Beagle's not like a bad guy or anything like that. Um, he, but we had a bad moment here. Like, the one thing about Nash, and Nash, you know, he didn't really apologize or anything like that. Look, like I don't really like criticizing other broadcasters. I, I make my own mistakes too. And, um, you know, I, I think, but I think that what Nash said on about they're going after the soft skill, I, I thought it was bad because people jumped on it and pounded on the sport.
1: Yeah. If you want to skill it up, like I, I, again, I said that to Petey this morning, I'm like, I think if he had a chance to kind of really go over this again, I think he would be thinking, yeah, that's not quite the choice of words I, I would want. That's but what he I'll said. I'll tell you this. Yes. I The last time um, Anaheim was in Buffalo, we mm-hmm. had a Trevor, Trevor Zegres, uh monster play. It's going to be one yeah. of the greatest plays ever, how he does almost the Michigan, but he flips it over the net and someone swats. And yeah. now all of a sudden, these two guys are giggling and laughing like two little schoolboys, and... And then I'm I'm fine with that. And I'm like, this is amazing. And I love this. But then all of a sudden they get on the bench and they're acting like they're 10 years old. Okay. They're giggling and laughing and they're hugging each other. This to me, if I'm okay with it, sitting at home, mm-hmm. if I'm on the ice and I'm watching these two guys do this, that's going to send my, my boiling point high. Now I don't. I don't, the, the Michigan player, the flip over the net is not disrespectful to me. It's everything that's going to happen after that. If you make, if you disrespect my hockey team, there's going to be an issue.
2: That, so, you know, Craig, I think that's fine. But yeah, like, yeah. like, I, I don't, I like I don't have a problem. You should play hard against them and you, you yeah. should ride them hard. But like my, my the argument that I made and that I'll make here is that I think we're going to have to probably have a conversation at some point about willing participants. Okay. Like I am not anti-fighting. I am not. Um, I'm concerned about concussions like any, like anyone else, but I'm not anti-fighting, but Craig, like if there's going to be a fight, it has to be two people who want to do it. Okay.
1: Let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Does Jay Beagle do this to Troy Terry if Nick DeLaurier is on Anaheim
2: Ducks. You know, and, and that's what Tamu Solani tweeted. Absolutely not. And, and you know, the, I'll tell you, I agree with you. And I wonder if the Ducks are going to say, okay. Uh, but the other guy I wondered about there too, Craig, is, you know, who else wasn't playing that night? He was not a fighter, but he is, like, you notice when he's around. Ryan Getzlaff.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. After after that play right there, Ryan Getzlaf and you know, like he's he was one of the s- most skilled hockey players. I yeah. am literally one. I'm a huge fan of Ryan Getzlaf. Like mm-hmm. loved him since the day he played in the World Junior Championship back mm-hmm. in the day. He is going to respond to this. There's going to be a response. But what I'm saying is, Jay Beagle understands what's on the other side. And he's not thinking about what's going to happen to him or what's going to happen to his teammates. If I act a certain way, that's the mm-hmm. way it is. If Mike Lori is on that bench, Oh, I would hate to finish the last five minutes of that game because someone is going to get it. And, and that's where Jay Beagle understands the game. He's been in the league long enough. If I do this, Detroit, Terry, then someone on my team is going to get it for what I did. And after
0: Beagle does that to Terry and then Delorier does that to somebody else on Beagle's team, that person can go and thank Jay Beagle for that. Exactly.
1: And that's why I don't think it would happen if you have a Nick Delorier who is going to police his team. I think you don't have this situation, but guess what? Nick Delorier is not on the team anymore. I'll tell you right now, that's not happening. Um, I agree. Kapril, I agree. Uh, Kaprizov, uh, he's not, he's not in any, he's not worried. He's not mm-hmm. worried because he's got a lot of guys. If they even look at him the wrong way, someone's going to get, someone's going to get it.
0: Elliot, how was, uh, how was Florida last week? What did we learn about the league and where they're headed?
2: Not much. Um, uh, you know, I don't think there was anything of huge news that came out of Florida. Unfortunately, um, You know, Eugene Melnick's uh, passing overshadowed uh, it a bit, Um, you know, just in terms of that became the big newsy thing. And it was, it was a sad story. Um, There wasn't anything really huge or, or pressing there. I don't think.
0: I thought the salary cap in the playoffs was an interesting conversation brought up, that was, that was brought up by Ken Holland. Was it
2: not? That's correct. I don't know if anything's going to happen with it though, Andrew, like that's a, that's a bargaining issue. You have to, you have to negotiate that with the players. And I'm really not sure if that's going to go anywhere. But I like that
0: it's being addressed because it, a lot of people are starting to take notice that at, at it's such bullshit.
2: I don't you have know? a problem with it. I don't. Oh, God. Oh. I don't. You got guys walking around after winning the cup saying with t shirts that say 18 million over the cap. Well, that's why it became an issue. There's no question about that. <laughs> if, if, if Kucherov doesn't go on his Bud Life fueled rant, nobody's probably talking <laughs> about this, but. There's no question about how open and he was about it. it. Definitely pissed some people off. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> I literally want one of those shirts, too. I'm sure you can find one online, Craig. By, by the way, Craig, I wanted to say this podcast has real power. I must have 20 new Peloton followers since we talked the last time. I had someone. I don't remember her name. Uh, a lady said that um, she took an Alex Toussaint class after you. After we mentioned it on the podcast, and she was like, "That guy's a good instructor." Yeah. So, like, Craig, this, this, like, I don't have a lot of Peloton followers. I don't really advertise it. But after I came on and <laughs> talked about it, I had like 20 new ones. So, oh, man. you have power Reeves. Let's have go. Power. Let's get a
1: following. I need to yeah. be pushed. I haven't been yeah. on the bike in a week. Pulled a hammy. <laughs> yeah, I pulled I, the I hammy took, on one of my rides.
2: <laughs> I took uh, t- I took uh, 2 weeks uh, I took two I took 2 weeks off and I'm back on now. So, yeah, good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 J, um, I was going to say JR. Uh Elliot
1: this is a tough one. This is a tough one for me. And, and, uh, you know, obviously would love your opinion on the Keith Yendel situation, you know, 989 yeah. games. He is the iron man. Yeah. Minus 39. Not, not Yeah, I think he might be, uh, taking home the green jacket, but, um, what are your thoughts on Keith Yendl and and the Philadelphia Flyers sitting him out?
2: Well, first of all, like, I'm not going to remember Keith Yano by the fact he got set out. I'm going to remember the guy played 989 straight games, which I think is pretty incredible. Um, I don't have a problem with Kevin Hayes and the other players being mad. I I think players would generally support a teammate like that. Um, I I think they would look at it and they would say, um, we want the guy to play. We don't care about prospects. So I don't really have a, a problem with the veterans. I will say this, Craig. I had a long conversation with a coach um, who um, who told me that he hates those streaks and he thinks that most coaches would feel the same way because they feel that you lose control of your roster. And he says they're not they're not necessarily fair to all the players. Like if you go back to last year, Keith Yandel was going to be benched by Florida and the players, you know, went to the management and said, we can't do this. And the thing that Yandel was upset about last year is that. Um, you know, he felt he wasn't given a chance. He was told before camp he wasn't going to play and he felt he earned the right in camp to prove that he could still be a top six blue liner on that team. Yeah. And that's why he was mad. You know, this one, um, you know, He's
1: 35 years old, turning 36, is and Keith Ando going to be playing in the league in 2022, 23 season?
2: I don't know, but the the bottom line is like, it's a tough thing to say because Um, but it's, it's, it's true in the sense that, you know, are you taking someone else out of the lineup who doesn't deserve to be out of the lineup? Like one of the things we talked about today is that, you know, Nick Seeler fought Delorier last week, and that is a tough, tough thing to do. And, um, and, you know, someone was saying to me that, and I kind of agree with this. He said that it's not probably a big surprise that this happened right after that sealer game, because sealer might be coming out of the lineup and someone's probably saying, wait a 2nd we're going to take the guy out of the lineup who fought, who took on Nick Delorier for us. Like, is that right? And, um, or, or they've got a young kid that they just signed that they want to get a chance to have him play on the roster. And is that right? That, that he goes out? Um, you know, I I think that, you know, I I think it was probably time. I I think it's probably fair, but that doesn't mean it's easy for anyone involved. They probably wanted him to get to a thousand. They were probably trying to say, can you give him eleven more games to get to a thousand, and yep, and then we're done here. I, and I and I will say this too, Craig. I I had heard a rumor, and I don't know if it's true, but this this coach said to me he believed it could be true that there was a team looking at Castle. That didn't want them because they're like, we, you know, we have a deep team. We have a chance to win and we don't want to have to play them if, you know, we want to, because of the streak. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Really? Yeah. That's crazy that a team wouldn't take them because they don't know
1: if they'd use them every night. So they just let them sit.
2: Well, you don't want, at this point of the year, you don't want distractions, right? Andrew?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You don't want that distraction. You know, Phil Kessel's a great hockey player and he's had a, he's had a tremendous career and, you know, even, even, um, you know, Keith Yandles had a real nice career. He's been an offensive power play specialist for many, many years. He's put up yep. a lot of points. His game is diminished, um, you know, to a level that quite frankly, he probably shouldn't be playing in the national hockey league. I, uh, I understand what the Philadelphia Flyers are doing, but I just, I go back to the player. And, and I think that Keith Sandel, this is his last year playing professional hockey. I think um, hmm. he is probably not going to be playing in the National Hockey League after this season. And I would have loved to see him get those extra 11 games to get to a thousand, because I just think that that feat is just remarkable.
2: Yeah, I agree. To play a thousand straight games would be incredible.
1: Kessel's last year, this is last year in his deal too.
2: Yeah, but I wonder. I, like he, he seems to still really like playing.
0: Yeah, that'll be interesting to see if he keeps going. Elliot, I'm looking at the stats here around the league. You know, you got a you know a couple guys with 50 goals this year, which is nice. Uh, got some guys with a hundred points already. The usual suspects: Connor McDavid, and Leon Draisaitl, Jonathan Huberdeau, right around the corner. Yeah. I mean, w- w- where are you out? How's the game look to you this year? I mean, like, how's the season been from the standpoint of entertainment and everything? And and you know, Gary Bettman referenced that his uh, State of the Union at the All Star Game. We're gonna have multiple hundred point guys this year, and you know, all this stuff and scoring's way up. Are, Is this right? I mean, I look at the scores every night, and I just see. Scores Crazy. from like 1980 all yeah, over again.
2: It's great, isn't it? Even the 11-2
0: games, they're not great for the teams that are getting killed 11-2, but mm-hmm. at, the same, at the same time, it's like,
1: that's, that's exactly what I want to see. But how many games yeah. have we seen that's been 5-4, 6-5? Like I, I, mean, I think it's
2: fantastic. No, Guys, like there's not a lot of practice time. I think that really helps. Um, the talent of the players is, is excellent. You know, the other thing too, guys, how many stud goalies are left? Like how many, how many franchise franchise goalies are left? It's a great
0: question. Like maybe a
2: few. Like to me, when the playoffs start, the MVP of the league is Vasilevsky. Like I think he's the most important player in the league. Um, You know, Price being injured takes another one, unfortunately off the board, but you know, like if you were to rank like Craig Anderson this year, he's one of the ten best goalies in the league. Like he, he is. And is it's, Toronto it's
1: like, right? Is Toronto right now just shaking their head, going, "What the heck?"
2: I, I mean, they're hoping. Like they're. But even Florida right now, like you know, their goaltending isn't fantastic. But how many true stud goalies are are out there right now? Well, like a guy who you look at and say. That's a number one. Like like I'm uh, like like not not I shouldn't even say it, not necessarily number one, but a but a guy who is a, a game breaker yeah, a game breaker. Like I'm looking through the standings right now. I'm just grabbing my phone.
0: Like Vasilevsky's I, definitely number one.
2: Va- Vasilevsky, I, I now he's been struggling. Can I lid. say something though? Yeah.
1: how is Vasilevsky if you put him on uh the Ottawa Center? Still great. Still great. Really?
2: Yes. That guy is I'm, – I'm not taking okay. any Vance Let, me, let me, slander on this one. Okay, run. but I'm going <laughs> to slander a little bit.
1: I'm going to slander a little bit because I'm going to give you a situation. You have a certain goaltender that plays on a team – That the team is like, well, the goaltender, you know, is not not doing what he needs to do. Meanwhile, the team that he's playing in front of him does not have a good defensive system. Their, their, Their forwards don't give a shit about defense. And all of a sudden he this goaltender who's a piece of shit now goes to another team. And now he's the one of the top goaltenders in the league because the team that he plays on is defense first. Who's the
2: goalie? You know what? It's Greg. It's it's Frederick Anderson. Yeah, I I I don't put Frederick Anderson in that group yet. Like I, well, he's
1: got the best statistics in the league. I know, Elliot.
2: I I know, but like like I don't care about only statistics. Like Vasilevsky has Tampa's a great team, but Vasilevsky is a hell of a goalie. He's a because he's on
1: because he's on an elite team, Elliot.
2: He's also Craig Anderson was
1: on a horrendously bad defensive team with average defense at best and now he's on a team that cares about defense first
2: and he's the best goaltender in the league vasilevsky is the best goalie in the league i don't care what team he's on he's the i've seen too much of him so like the like to me it's vasilevsky shesterkin is not there yet but i think he will get there um there isn't one elliot yeah i'm looking
1: there isn't a carry Price of, like, you know, 8, 10 years ago when he was, like, just so extremely dominant. Fleury, I'm
0: biased. I'm
2: Fleury's biased. Is, but is yeah, Jacob Fleury's, Markstrom not Fleury's, having a it,
1: season for the ages right
2: now? I would say Markstrom, but he's gotten a little tired. That's my concern about Markstrom. Okay. Markstrom, Flurry, he's uh, like, 80. That doesn't matter. He's still a great goalie. Uh-huh. Saros. Saros. Hellebuck.
1: Yeah, the five foot tenner. Yeah. You gotta, about, you gotta give it to Saros, Five foot ten. He's an absolute rock star. Demko,
2: not there yet, but he's getting there. And you know, the guy who I'm looking at and I'm wondering is uh Gibson. He started great. Team's been bad. The team sucks, a, Elliot. The team yeah, but, sucks. But I, but I think go take really Gibson right now
1: and put him on Tampa Bay, and we're going to be saying that Gibson is the best goaltender in the National Hockey
2: League. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I I think that I, I think that uh, I think Gibson's a hell of a goalie. Yeah, I but, think. Uh, but goal, go ahead. But that's the that's the point I'm going to make. Is I don't think like one of the reasons I think goal scoring's up is I, I think the the amount of absolute stud elite level goalies has kind of dropped a bit. Okay. And I can, the, the, the players are more skilled. They can, sh- they shoot unbelievably well. They, uh, there's no practice time. Like they like, the other thing too, is the scoring has gone up during the year, which never happens, which never happens. Yeah. So the only bad thing that the, about this year, guys, I, I really think in terms of play is that the East did not have a playoff race, but I think the first round of the playoffs are going to be unbelievable.
0: I, I still appreciate the uh, jockeying of position that's going on, though, because, you know, it matters a lot for the Leafs. It matters a lot mm-hmm. for Boston. It matters for for some of these teams, you know, like Pittsburgh and the Rangers, home ice advantage in that series could be monstrous. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I, I love the conversation about the goalies. One of the things I look at that I think is is incredible is the, the defenseman scoring. You know, like the, the, like you got Roman Yossi, 81 points, yeah. Kale McCarr, Victor Hedman, Adam Fox. Yeah. I mean, you've got some, you're back to having like those days of like having your Brian Leach, Ray Bork, Paul Coffey type, yeah. you know, almost like uh, defense races when it comes to to who's the best defenseman, maybe offensively. I don't know about defensive, defensive, defenseman, but, but in terms of offense for sure.
2: hmm.
1: Well, let me ask you this, Elliot. Fifty-one goals for Austin Matthews. Yeah, fifty goals for Deon, uh, Leon Dreisidel, who scored his fiftieth last night. Yeah, who's going to win the uh, Rocket this year?
2: I, I think. Oh boy! I, like I just think I think Matthews will just because the pace he's on. But I'm not. I'm not. But is, is Leon Dreisidel not on a
1: pace either? Well, one behind, and yeah, he's I also know, got the best player in the world on his power play.
2: Yeah, I, I I understand all this. Believe me, I do. But I just look like Matthews, he, he scored, what, 62 goals in his last 77 games? I don't know. I mean. Crazy. It could go either. Like, honestly, could go either way. I mean, yeah. they're both ridiculous.
1: But if, you had, if you're if you a betting man, you're taking Matthews.
2: I might. Just because okay. he seems to be ridiculous. And, you know, the other thing, too, is we could have 550 goal scores for the first time in 15 years. In the salary cap era, we've only had two Sixty goal scorers.
0: Amazing. Two six. So one's Ovi. Stamkos. And, oh yeah. Well, I was gonna guess, but thanks for spoiling that. Oh,
2: sorry me. that.
1: Sorry.
0: You no, know, we all, we all we all like to play a little game. I forgot Stamkos had sixty. Jesus. So
1: another question for you, Elliot. Yeah. Connor McDavid. Yeah. We discussed this probably. I think two weeks ago we were talking about the heart the heart race. And we said that the last 21 games of the season are going to kind of decide who is going to be the guy. And we mentioned Austin Matthews and we mentioned, I think even Sussurkin as a defense or a goalie and yeah. we mentioned uh, Roman Yossi. Does Connor McDavid have a chance to win the heart 105 points, 40 goals already. Yeah. And he, their, their team was out of the playoffs. Like, 20, 20 games ago. Right. Yeah. Has he put himself in a position to be one of the guys to be the guy that's the favorite right now? I don't
2: know if he's the favorite, but why wouldn't he be in the conversation? Like, I, like I'm looking at the list. Like there, there's, there's a big list. Like there's Matthews. There's okay. Yossi. Okay. Shesterkin's kind of playing his way out of it a bit. Yep. There's McDavid. You know, what about... Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl. What about Kirill Kaprizov?
0: You know, all you guys that vote on this award, Elliot, Mm -hmm. and girls, women, but I just mean people who vote on this award, Mm -hmm. are just so... Desperate for a new face and a new name that you overlook. Just the, the old dog that just keeps getting her done.
2: Well, actually I, I was going to say Crosby. I'm
0: so disgusted by the oh, lack of respect God. that this guy deserves.
2: Are we still I, talking about him? You no, know, <laughs> you know what? Crosby, Crosby would be on my ballot. Like, like I, I would say Matthews, Yossi, McDavid, this is the group Matthews, Yossi, McDavid, Crosby, Caprizov, Johnny Goudreau, Jonathan Huberto. No way. Johnny Goudreau.
1: Johnny's Johnny nice. Goudreau
0: absolutely deserves to be on the – oh, look at the look at the pot stirrer over there. Just a shit-eating grin. Johnny Goudreau 100% absolutely deserves okay, to be Okay, so if we're putting in, in, in Johnny Goudreau,
1: why can't we sit here? And I'm going to ask him my, my next question. We're talking about elite players that have played at a level that has just been unbelievable. Why are we not talking about Jonathan Huberto from the Florida Panthers? And what I what I mean, and the question that I'm going to ask you is: Jonathan Huberdeau right now has 97 points. He has the mm-hmm. most assists in the National Hockey League at 73. He has 13 games left. When's the last time, Elliot? There's been a player in the National Hockey League that has had 90 assists. Do you know the date?
2: 90 assists. 90 assists. Let me Did give you, you know
1: a the answer. Yeah, of I course you know he knows the answer. the
0: answer. It's his super buddy. Guy's still in the league, might even play on his team. Might have set up John Chichu for 56 that year.
1: Oh, Thornton, of course. Yes. So in 2005, mm-hmm. Joe Thornton was the last player to score 90 assists in a season. He scored mm-hmm. 96 that year. Mm-hmm. And my question is can Jonathan Huberto? in 13 games get 17 assists for 90 assists, which has not been done in 7, 18
2: plus years. You know, I I think that's a great question. I'd like to see it because I think that, I think that's important. Like I think offense is important.
1: Like when you and we talk about, you know, Leon Dreisaitl and Matthews, and we possibly could have, you know, possibly could have, you know, anywhere from three to five 50 goal scores, but to have a 90 assist hockey player in the league right now that has not happened since 2005 is, is remarkable. And it's in its
0: own. It cares about assists. <laughs> it's
1: all about goals, eh? Who
0: cares all about, about this. Who cares? Everyone raves about Gretzky stats. Cares about it's all.
2: It's all about a sit. It's all about goals and fighting majors, Craig. That's what it's all about.
0: Uh, that's that's really all it comes down to. Elliot, what's the coaching carousel going to look like in the league in the off season? It's going to be.
2: It's going to be busy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What are you expecting? Well, I think there's something like eleven coaches who don't have a contract beyond this year. And uh and you know, I, I don't think all of them will be changed. It could also depend on playoff results. It, I have a question is, about Juan Granado uh, on a on a one year deal. No, he's got he's got more than that. He's
0: got another year. I think he signed a yeah. two-year last year. Didn't hear this because he is an
1: experiment, right, Elliot? So you know he could probably be moved out. You know, with
0: what? Well,
2: he's why? Done. Why would? Why would you do that? No, he's he he's
0: being. This is about me, Elliot. He this car this the comments that he's making are directed at me. So he's a, like he's a total
2: bleep disturber. Yeah, today. yeah.
0: yeah. Craig's Craig woke up sober this morning, so he's in a great mood. Um, Funny meatballs right now needs a uh, an extension. Uh, with what he's doing what's but. gonna happen with lindy ruff in uh in new jersey does he have another know. year in his deal i thought he said it vi- too I,
2: I i think he does uh it's been a tough year there man they got to find a goalie yeah i just i wonder
0: i i i'm looking at the day when he's no longer coaching and he's brought into the sabers organization as the president of hockey ops or some sort of um that's what I predict happens with Lindy after he's done right? in, New, in New Jersey is that he's brought in for some, uh, some kind of an executive role. Buffalo. How's
2: his, how's his relationship with the organization? Is it good?
0: Terry Bagoul, He and Terry Pagool, I believe are very close. And Kevin Adams, uh, and he was Kevin Adams, assistant coach for a little bit here in Buffalo
2: back, uh, so- uh
1: I, Lindy I, Ruff I, is an icon in this city.
2: I, is, I, like, I love dealing with Lindy Ruff. Like, I, I really, I yeah. always love dealing with him. Yeah. I really do. So, I would be very happy to see that.
0: Yeah, I, I, I predict that'll happen. But one, he is arguably one of the most brilliant hockey minds, I think, in the game still today.
1: So,
2: coach so. that team for what, 17 years? Who does that anymore?
1: Yeah. He's been, you know, listen, I mean, as a player, he had a fantastic career as a player. And then, you know, shortly after retiring from the game of hockey, he's, you know, right into an assistant coaching position. I think it was in Florida um, and then has the opportunity to, to to come back to Buffalo and never look back.
2: And he's, does he you know, still live? Does he still live there? Yes. Oh, well, there sure you go. I mean, it makes uh, a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. I, I I mean, the hockey mind of Lindy Ruff and the people that he knows throughout this league, it would be like Terry and Kim Pagula should be standing outside of the New Jersey Devils arena the day that he gets fired. If he does get fired or walks away or looks for a new adventure, they should be there to pick him up and fly him to Buffalo and and, and sign him for some sort of uh, managerial position because Mm -hmm. I think, uh, I mean, you can't guys like that and and the knowledge that he has in this game Mm -hmm. currently. And, you know, long time ago, he's uh, a brilliant, brilliant hockey mind
0: while Mm -hmm. we're on, while we're on the topic of coaches, who's your coach of the year right now,
2: Elliot? I think it, you know what? I, I think I'm looking, I'm looking West. I like, I like, I, I like Mike Sullivan but I think it could be Daryl Sutter. And I also think it could be Todd McClellan. Daryl Sutter. Why Why didn't Jared Bednar get any love? Like, I remember, coach I
1: remember four years ago, I think it was Elliot when he was trade or uh, was hired and it was, he was a relatively very unknown coach and he walked in and they had one of the worst seasons of NHL history. Like it was, it was, well, ridiculous. you
2: know, who deserved a lot of credit for that was, was, was Joe Sackick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because, Joe, I remember at the draft lottery that year, I said to Sackett, because Bednar coming back, and he goes, we didn't give him a fair chance.
1: But again, when you have a team that's that bad... Yeah, there's so many things that you have to change. You have to change the mindset of not only the players, but the, the people that work in the building, the trainers. Everything has to change, and it's taken him some time to change these things. And you look at the success that the team is having, and everyone's like, "Well, the only reason they're winning because they have uh, you know uh, McKinnon and and Rantanen and, and Langduskog. The well, they had all those guys back then when he when he started." But he has built something, and I just don't understand. It's the top team in the league right now. How is he not in the Jack Adams?
2: I I don't have a problem with your argument. Like, I don't get too goofy about awards. I don't vote on the Jack Adams. Um, You know, I don't don't vote on that award. But I have no problem with – I have no problem at all with, with Jared Bednar being in it. Tell
0: me where they found Sutter again. Was he like milking cows or something on the farm? And they went and like, how, how the hell did they get him to come out of, come out of retirement? I, what, well,
2: and, of the... The, and the owner and Sutter are tight. Like they yeah. know each other. So like it was, a, it's a place that's comfortable for him.
0: But did they actually expect that to work? Or was that just kind of like a, try to get these Darryl, players, get their asses. in get...
2: Daryl Sutter is a hell of a coach.
0: Yeah. I'm not doubting that. I just, I, I look, I just, look, listen, he's John Dutton
2: who from uh, Yellowstone.
0: Yeah. Oh, John
1: Dutton. He's I John Dutton from Yellowstone. He is running the ranch, baby.
0: <laughs> so the best Sutter quote I remember in Elliot, I know you'll remember this, but it was coaching LA and he had to bench a bunch of his stars. Do you remember? He had Richards and Carter and someone else that he had, it might've been uh Jared Stoll. maybe was one of them. And he had, he was going through a stretch where he had to, he was benching all his key players. And, and after a game, he had to bench another one. And they asked him, the media asked him, they said, what did you tell him, uh, when you were about to sit him down? He said, I told him to go sit down there in millionaires row. (laughs) he He had all the, all the high ticket guys sitting down in the middle of the bench. No, I just, I just thought, you know, with his age and everything, I, I, I didn't know what that was. I thought maybe that was like a, like a sideshow temporary thing. And then here he is, he's actually in a position and we had, um, who do we have on, uh, uh, someone last week was saying that it looks like the LA, like the, the, the Calgary flames play like the old LA Kings when they won back to back cups.
2: Well, that's, that's the way he coaches, right? Like he believes in that kind of style. Yeah. You, you, everybody has an identity. Everybody has a role and you play in, I remember I have to watch Calgary a bit more to kind of look for it. doesn't come as easily to me, but the Kings used to play in triangles, right? Like that's the way that, you know, Sutter liked to do it. Like, uh, and the tight triangles, which tight passing lanes and and things like that. And it really worked for them. And so I I think that, you know, I think obviously like Lindholm and and Goudreau and, uh, and Kachuk probably have a bit more freedom to do some things, but you know, like he's made Lucic, he's re-energized Lucic. My favorite Sutter, by the way, is, I I won, they lost a playoff game once and they said, what did you say to your players after the game? And he goes, well, playing at 11 or something like that. Like that was my favorite one playing at 11. (laughs) Andrew Burnett, no love for this guy. Another good one. And like over, took took over over. different, difficult circumstances. Absolutely.
0: You know, that's, that's a guy I think needs to be considered for coach of the year. Elliot, what are we missing? Is there anything you want to add before we, we let you go?
2: I don't think so. I can't, I was just looking. I can't, uh, I, I talked to Josh Norris this morning, 30 goal scorer. Josh well,
0: you, you'd Norris. mentioned that in your text. I don't know. I didn't know if we were allowed to bring that up. Sure. But, you can. No okay. Problem. So you talked to Josh Norris. When's that article coming out?
2: Uh, tomorrow when I write my notes.
0: What is he up for a contract this year? Cause he's going to you know, get quite the you know, raise. Number, he's had two good seasons.
2: Center. Yeah. 30 goal score. So what's four, he look, did he tell four. you what kind of number he's looking
0: at? <laughs> no, he wasn't telling me that. No, no, he
2: was good. Like he, he, uh, he did tell someone told me to ask him about being roommates with Quinn Hughes. And he told me the two of them were the biggest slobs alive. That was, that was one thing he told me.
0: Why? Well, what fits the definition of a
2: slob to them? He said that we had a hardwood floor in our, in our room and you, you couldn't walk on it without stepping on something.
0: Craig would go ape shit. Craig is I like, I'm Craig, a is, too, so I get it. Craig is like the cleanest. I mean, I call Craig in the middle of the afternoon. He's like,
2: dude, I've been cleaning for four hours, <laughs> up in the floors, cleaning the windows.
1: It's absolutely incredible. Like, as soon as I'm done this. I go straight upstairs and literally detail every single room in the upstairs, then go to the downstairs, make sure the dish is boom, shagalaka, and then right to the basement. And it's just like, then it's like, now I'm in, now I'm in paradise. (laughs) Last question I'll ask you,
0: is Devin Levi going to sign a pro contract this year?
2: I don't know. I, 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 I heard that the meeting last week was, I don't know if I want to say inconclusive, um, but uh, uh, I, I heard. You're talking I, the meeting between Buffalo this? and
0: Levi? Do, yes. do you
1: think he should sign a pro contract? Because I'm gonna, I'll just say, I don't think he should. I Why think is that? Had, because how old is he? Uh, I'll tell you how old he
2: is. If I'm not sure, I think he's 19. And you know, I'll tell you this: there's some dispute. Uh, I'm double checking on this. He's 20. He'll be 21 in December. Um, okay. Some, somebody, because I, I wrote last week the Portillo, the goalie at Michigan. Yeah. I guess Cap Friendly has him being uh, a Sabres rights for two more years. I have to double check this, but I I'm not sure that's right because he was drafted in 2000. Like Levi was 2020, so you have him. He was drafted uh, 2020. And he was drafted, um, you you keep his rights for four years. Uh, But Portillo was drafted in 2019, and he was drafted out of Sweden. He hadn't played in North America yet. And normally, if you're drafted out of a European country with a transfer agreement with the NHL, which Sweden has, you'd have his rights for four years. So I'm under the impression they only have his rights for one more year. I heard some, some Sabres fans had told me that cap friendly says two. I will double check that, but I'd heard it was, I heard it was only one more.
1: So he's going to be turning 22 in September.
2: Portia? Is that, yes.
1: Is that the player that the Sabres are looking to sign and get, and bring him to the minors next year?
2: I'm sure they, I'm I'm sure they probably would. Um, You know, like uh, that, that Portillo is a hell of a goalie. Like I've heard, like one thing you guys do very well is you guys clearly identify goalies. I, you know, like I wouldn't be surprised if one of the things that Levi's looking at is he's asking, look, you've got, uh, you've got a, a young prospect goalie there that you guys really like um the Portillo's on the radar too and then him like how's it all gonna work
1: yeah because these guys need to play
2: yes
0: yes I'm trying to find a tweet that I think somebody mentioned or messaged us Elliot and wanted us to ask you a question but it might have been the one for Jeremy Roenick it was the one about the Yandel benching but I thought someone connected you and our show to a tweet and asked about, but I think that was it. I think it was the Portillo goaltending thing that you just mentioned was uh, someone thought that uh, he had a couple more years. That's interesting stuff, stuff to keep an eye on.
2: Because the thing is like, if, if you're drafted out of North America, like if you're, well, CHL is two years, but if you're drafted out of like the NCAA or the USHL system, it's, It's it's I think it's four. I have to double check, but I think it's four years or when your class graduates. But if you look at him, he was drafted in 2019. He hadn't played in North America yet. He was out of Sweden. And generally, that is four years. So that would say 2023. And that's what I was I was under the impression because I'd heard that the Sabres only had his rights for one more year. And then people said cap friendly has this and generally cap friendly is excellent. So I, I am looking into it.
0: Interesting. All right. Stuff to keep an eye on. Thanks, Elliot. Appreciate yeah. your time today. Extended time.
2: Yeah. All right, thank guys. you very much. Have a great day, guys. Always yeah. great to chat with you. That's a wrap on another episode of after the whistle. Don't forget to follow us
0: on Twitter after the whistle and at Craig 52 at the instigator 76